0: From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Haq. Welcome to the program. We have got a great show for you today talking about all things credit card bills. Getting those bills paid off because this is the time that we start to get those bills and we, those bills start to come due. And we start thinking about how am I going to come up with this cash of all this damage I did on my credit card during December. Now, this year, it was expected that we were going to be more mindful about the way we're spending money, and that includes what we're charging to our credit card. Uh, But that may not be the case. Canadians were still out in full force during December. It was the first sort of normal holiday season in three years. And that really encouraged many of us uh, to spend more on Christmas gifts, on holiday gatherings, on New Year's Eve parties because we could get together. We wanted to celebrate. So we'll be talking to someone from MasterCard Canada about consumer behavior. Where are we spending our money? Is the mall dead? Are we still spending at the mall? She's gonna break down you know, where we were charging our card and how consumer behavior has changed uh, during the last three years, when you know we really were forced to buy more and more things online, and then we're going to speak to a financial planner uh, about 2023 goals and just becoming more financially confident. Uh, that's something that many of us lack. We may have the financial knowledge, so we know what we need to do with our money. It could be, you know, saving more towards retirement. It could be paying down debt. It could be putting more money in that emergency fund because we know that rainy days will come. And when a rainy day comes, you need some extra cash to make those uh, extra expenses happen. Those unexpected expenses, you have to pay for them from somewhere. And if you've got a rainy day fund, it's going to help you get through those tougher times. We all know that, but we don't have the confidence to actually make it happen. I'll give you a personal example. Uh, life insurance is something that I have been really not very confident about in my life. It took me a while to sort of understand which product was right for me, which one really was uh, the one that was going to help my dependents and myself if something was to happen. It's one of those places where I know it's important. I know I've got to have it, but it took me a while to get there because I really just wasn't sure as to what I needed for myself. And that's the case with so many other things, with RRSPs, with TFSAs, with buying your first car, putting a down payment on your home. We all know what we need need to do to get there, but we don't have the financial confidence to actually make it happen. And so we're going to talk to a financial planner about what we can do to build that financial confidence so we can have uh, the courage to open up, your child's RESP, to finally start contributing to your TFSA, to buy that first investment so that it can grow over time and become a nice lump sum when you retire. Because the earlier you invest, the more time you have on your side and the more that investment has time to grow. Uh, So that's that's always the message. Invest early, even if it's small amounts, so it has that that greater time to grow, uh, so that it can equal uh, a lot more than if you just tried to save a lot of money in a short amount of time, which maybe if you won the lottery or got a really big pay hike, you could do, but for most of us, uh, the better, uh, the better path is to start saving early so that money can grow. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit as well about some news that's been coming out this month about how the Bank of Canada, uh, its it's rate hikes. So last year, we know the Bank of Canada raised rates by 400 basis points. And for some people, uh, their mortgage has become unaffordable. And in some cases, mortgage payments have doubled. Uh, the average mortgage payment in Canada is up by 60%. Uh, variable rate mortgage that is. So the the payments that you are making back in you know February or March they're up about sixty percent. And for some, that's really eating into their bottom line. They're having to make different decisions about their 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 lifestyle, whether they're going to go on that vacation or not. So the average mortgage in Canada is five hundred thousand, and the average mortgage payment on that would have been about seventeen hundred at the beginning uh, of the of the year. And today, that would be $1,100 more. That's a lot of money coming out of your pocket. And so the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, OFSI, they oversee all the financial uh, companies in our country. Uh, They want to uh, have a new, they're proposing rather, uh, new mortgage guidelines. And they're putting them out there saying that we really need to be more careful as to how much money banks are lending Canadian consumers uh, and at what interest rate they're getting that money at. Really trying to take out the least qualified borrowers uh, from the bank's balance sheets because those are the ones that right now with rates going as high as they are, are the most vulnerable to default. So that will be a story that we will continue to follow. Will the banks respond I'm sure that they don't want that to happen because that's uh, customers that they're no longer going to have access to. Uh, but that's what OSFI is saying, that they really want mortgage guidelines tightened up. They want restrictions tightened up so that uh, we don't get ourselves into too much debt too quickly. We've got a great show co- coming up. Please stay tuned. I'm Rabina Ahmad Hawk and this is For What It's Worth.
1: You're listening to "For
0: What It's Worth" with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. This holiday season, did you find that you were shopping differently? Maybe choosing stores in a way that you never did before. I know I was being a lot more frugal. Because everything that's going on with the cost of living, I was just really mindful of the things I was buying and how I was going to use them. In many ways, I cut a lot of people out of the list that I used to have maybe three, four years ago. But, you know, it's okay because they kind of cut me out too. So I feel that it was a very equal split (laughs) in some ways. Uh, Going into the holiday season, we were looking at surveys, at least I was looking at surveys, that showed that we were going to be more frugal and that we were going to shop more online we weren't going to go into uh the brick and mortar stores and buy the things that uh you know we, we used to back in 2019 right back in the the good old days before the pandemic um, every year masterCard uh rather the masterCard economics institute releases its annual forecasting report and they also look at trends that they're expecting for this year by looking back and during the holiday season there were some really interesting tidbits that came out of the data that showed that we were back in the store, that we weren't necessarily doing everything online. And this is something that retailers weren't necessarily expecting. They were expecting most of us to stay online and do all our shopping in a a digital space. Uh, So a lot of focus on that. So to break down the results of this survey and to really give us an idea of what we can expect in 2023, we are joined by Michelle Myers. She's the chief economist at the MasterCard Economics Institute. Hi, Michelle. Hi there. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for joining us. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, compared to the last couple of years, and I know it's hard to do that comparison because we've just had Mm -hmm. three really unusual Christmas seasons, but, you know, how have our spending habits changed in the last few years? In particular,
2: what stood out for you this year? Well, I think you're, you're spot on in that. Um, the last few years have been highly unusual. Um, clearly 2020 was one when we were still very much in the midst of the pandemic um, in you know, kind of a lockdown state. Um, and uh, there, was, there wasn't there was as much choice in how consumers can spend. And then in 2021 and 2022, amid a reopening and amid a, a pretty healthy rebound of economic activity, consumers had a lot of discretionary income. I would argue that this past holiday season um, did indicate a consumer that is making choices, um, making choices in terms of when they spend and what they spend on. And I'll elaborate on both of those. In terms of when they spend, we did notice in Canada and similarly in the U.S. actually, a more promotion-driven consumer, one that was out there spending, but out there spending at certain points in time when there were greater discounting of promotions or deals. So, a consumer that was looking at more inventory uh, relative to the year prior and trying to be really mindful about when they spell and spend and how that you know worked best with their budgets. In terms of the what, um, we are seeing a shift towards more experience-based spending. Um, you know restaurants still booming travel uh doing very very well um but in contrast you know if you look at the spending poll data for the month of november for example home improvement spending was down 1.4 percent year-over-year home furniture and furnishings was down three percent um so uh you know pullback in spending related to the housing market frankly which makes a lot of sense given uh, the decline in volumes of, of housing amidst higher interest rates. And you mentioned there the uh,
0: spending pulse data that MasterCard uh, puts out monthly, and it really just is a snapshot of how we are spending when it comes to Mm. our credit cards, the behavior that maybe you're seeing change or stay the same. Uh, Canadians were, surveys that were done by a number of different companies showed that Canadians wanted to be more frugal this year. They wanted to spend early and they wanted to take advantage of sales. Like you were mentioning, there, sort of very Mm -hmm. promotional, driven, uh, driven, uh, uh, activity. Um, is that what happened? It, was that the case? Were we a little bit more frugal this year? Did we spend less, especially when it comes to our credit card charges?
2: Well, I, I'm just going to talk about overall spending because our data is looking at a broad measure of, of spending. Um You know, I I would argue that uh, there was a bit of a fits and starts in the holiday shopping period, and certainly the Black Friday period uh, benefited. Um, So Canadian retail sales on Black Friday, just the day of November 25th, uh, were up 5.6% year-over-year. Apparel was up 6.6% year-over-year. Electronics up 5.8% on the year. So um, we did see a bump in activity around that promotional period of Black Friday. Um, In terms of trying to navigate the inflationary environment, you know, we are starting to see some disinflation kick in um, on a macro level, uh, not the same degree of inflationary pressure. It looks like inflation seemingly peaked on a year-over-year basis this past summer. Um, So there's been some moderation there, which which is clearly very welcome on the part of consumers and has helped them to navigate their budget, whereas, you know, Early in 2022, they were looking at a a, a more challenging environment when it comes to uh, continued price increases. Um, And then going back to the timing, I would argue, you know, it was less about going early and trying to rush to get those promotions. I would actually argue, given that there was a greater awareness that there was more, you know, greater inventory uh, this holiday period, uh, people were able to wait um, until closer to uh, the end of the year to make some of these purchases with hopes that that allowed for greater promotions.
0: Interesting. Uh, it's always interesting to see what people forecast going into a busy season yeah. like the holidays and what actually happens. I think some of those old habits that so many of us have of waiting to the last minute to buy mm-hmm. our holiday gifts, um, those are hard to shake and despite what's retailers might trying to be doing try, might try to do to entice people to come in uh, through the door early through black friday promotions mm-hmm. and other early promotions uh, you know in the during the pandemic there was a lot of talk about how in person uh, is dead uh, the retail experience brick and mortar is not going to come back but even from my own experience going into the malls going into brick- and- mortar stores uh, it feels like that's not happening it feels like people are back shopping in person uh, what is uh, w- what are you seeing seeing um, as the forecast for 2023 uh, based on, you know, what we just went through with the holidays?
2: Well, you're absolutely right about how you felt during the holiday season, which is that people were back in store. And it was the first holiday season where the pandemic restrictions were, were, were entirely lifted. So, um, there was demand to return in-store. If you look at our spending pulse data, in-person shopping for retail sales was up 5.3% year of year in November and 10.4% in December. Again, that end of the holiday season looking very strong. Um, I would argue looking ahead, I think the the lines between in-store and online purchasing will become a bit more blurred. Um, In-store adapts, will adapt, you know, different digital features, which we're seeing this kind of omni-channel presence. Um, In-store and digital will have their own unique distinctions, and that will satisfy the need for a shopping experience, whether that's touch, feel, taste, etc. But I think consumers will be able to make choices differently (laughs) um, as we look forward, because you will no longer have that, that hangover or that impact from the pandemic swing.
0: Now we're talking specifically about consumer behavior during the holidays, which is an interesting time of year, uh, but something that we shop for year round is groceries. And we know that grocery prices are up almost 11% year over year on average. Some specific things, items are up actually more than 20%, uh, red meat being one example. Um, how, what, what data are you seeing when it comes to um, how those high food prices are, are, are changing consumer behavior?
2: Yeah. So, you know, one thing is that we're looking at a few things. One, you can look at um, some more specific data um, on, you know, what, what people are buying at at grocery stores. Um, You know, there's a variety of different data sources for that. And, You know, you do see historically consumers start to shift what they put in their shopping cart based off of relative prices, because you walk into the grocery store and every time the consumer is making a decision about how they want to spend their dollars. Um, And there's a lot more price awareness for items like groceries or for gasoline or things that you buy repetitively. You go in, you buy a carton of milk every week, you know, when prices change and you may say, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to buy something a little bit different this time. Maybe I won't reach for organic. I'll buy um, I'll buy in bulk, whatever it is to make ends meet. So you are seeing those, you know, kind of behavioral changes, particularly for something like grocery stores where you have such big relative inflation shocks. Um, but another thing that we explored in our research um, in a report published recently on our about our outlook uh, is we looked globally at grocery stores to try to understand if there's a shift in terms of trip frequency versus spending per visit. Some countries you are seeing people uh, go more often, but spend less each time. Uh, That's not the case in Canada. In Canada, you are, You know, the grocery shopping frequency is up 5% on the year, spending is up 15% more per visit. So um, you're you're still uh, seeing uh, consumers operate pretty similarly to what they had done even, um, you know, kind of prior to the pandemic. You're not seeing those levels of stress that you might be seeing in other countries where people are going more often but having to spend less.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing pictures being shared from the US specifically about egg prices being up. Oh so, gosh. that typical yeah. carton of eggs that we buy from Costco, which is the 18. 18- 18 eggs yeah. in a carton, uh, for over 18, $19. I think I saw this morning. So there is definitely mm-hmm. different stories happening uh, around the world, depending on uh, the kind of pressures that exist there. Uh, very quickly, uh, what's your forecast for 2023? Are we going to continue to, um, become more and more digital, rely more and more on credit cards. Some people are going back to cash as a way to budget to kind of, you know, know how much they're actually spending, but what's your forecast?
2: Yeah. And just to, you brought up eggs and we, you know, inflation has recently been released in the U S and it's pretty startling uh, inflation for eggs in the U S is up 60% year over year prices are up 60% year over year. So you have some categories where it's just startling gains others where it's really muted. So it's, it's, it's an important point you made, which is you do need to think about um, the different components rather than group everything into one basket because inflation today feels very different. It looks very different depending on the product that you're speaking of. Um, In terms of your point around the different types of of payments, um, you know, I think taking a step back and thinking about purchasing power for the consumer, the primary driver remains the labor market um, and income creation. So that's something we're keeping a very close eye on in terms of net job creation, the rate of wage growth and the ability to support future consumer spending. Um, We also have to consider how much savings is out there, access to um, liquid assets. Um, In addition to the ability to uh, borrow more to finance spending. So I would argue consumers are using all of these sources right now and have been, um, especially, uh, you know, as they had faced high inflation. Um, Now, as we look forward to 2023, the inflationary pressure should come down and that will provide some relief.
0: Uh, Michelle, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the program, giving us an outlook of what to expect when it comes to our credit card habits uh, in the new year and what we learned uh, from our holiday behaviors as well.
2: You got it. Absolutely. Thank you for having
0: me. That's Michelle Meyer. She is the Chief Economist at MasterCard for North America, talking about their economic outlook for 2023 when it comes to the way we're spending, where we're trying to save, how our behaviors have changed, uh, not only throughout the pandemic, but also because of inflationary pressures, because of interest rates being higher, cost of living being higher. We're just a little bit more mindful, which is a good thing, about what we're bringing home and what we're charging to our card. We are going to take a quick break When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about credit card debt and how we can deal with that. If you're worried about how to pay that bill down, we've got some tips for you coming up. I'm Rabina Ahmed-Hawk, and this is For What It's Worth.
1: You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed-Hawk.
0: So, this is that time of year when those dreaded credit card bills start to come due. We've already got the statement, right? In the middle of the month, right after New Year's Eve, they start rolling in, and all those charges that you put on the credit card in December start to stare at you in black and white. And for many of us, this can be a very vulnerable time because we did not anticipate that bill being as high as it was going to be. And we don't have the confidence. To really know how we're going to get it paid off. And this is high interest debt. This is debt that really can accumulate pretty quickly. So we really need to pay attention to it. It's not something that you can pay a small amount over time and it's not going to incur a lot of interest. We know that credit card interest debt adds up really quickly. And on top of that, Canadians with everything that's going on, cost of living and inflation and interest rates going up, really need to tap into their financial confidence. How can they learn more about their personal finances and be more financial, financially confident so they don't they don't get into a situation where they get this surprise credit card bill? Well, to talk about this and everything else when it comes to setting ourselves up for 2023 and being more financially confident, I'm joined by Jackie Porter. She's a certified financial planner. She's also a financial spokesperson for PC Financial. Jackie, welcome to the program
1: very happy to be here
0: so PC Financial did a survey just to get a sense of you know what our confidence levels are like when it comes to our money can you tell us how financially confident are Canadians right now?
1: you know this is the good news that uh, Canadians on the whole are actually quite confident 81 percent of Canadians actually um, said that they're confident in setting goals and sticking to them but there are some nuances uh, for example, Um, Millennials are actually much more confident. 44% of millennials are much more confident in reaching their financial goals and sticking to them versus only 22% of individuals over 55. So there are some nuances, but on the whole, um, it's a great, it's a great uh, news story.
0: And do you think this is a byproduct of just everything that's happened during the pandemic? It's given us time to sort of sit and think about every situation in our life, including our personal finances. And then on top of that, there was, you know, millions of jobs lost during the pandemic. And then we ran right into this higher inflation, higher interest rate environment. Do you think this has just forced us to become more confident about our money? Because if we don't, we're going to we're going to get ourselves in a lot of financial trouble.
1: I think that there's a good news, bad news scenario there as well. I think the pandemic definitely made people realize that things can happen to Canadians. Things can happen to anyone at any time. And I, I think it gave people pause to, because we had time, right? So to look more closely at their finances for the people had, that did. And, you know, we, we weren't spending as much money. So we had more time and we weren't spending as much money. So I think some Canadians use that opportunity to kind of look at their balance sheet, figure out where they are and, you know, start to to really look at ways to make the most of the money they have coming in.
0: One of the really interesting uh, points I found in this survey was that one in three Canadians are actually setting financial goals for the new year. Uh, you know, a, a setting a financial resolution is pretty common. You know, it's just up there with losing weight and trying right. to, you know, get our garage organized. Whatever it is that's on your list. Um, well, what does this tell us, though? With so many more people just interested in learning about their money, um, are, are 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 we just as a society becoming more savvy when it comes to um, how how to manage our money on a day-to-day basis?
1: I I want to believe that. I I think that um, I'm really encouraged by how engaged Canadians are in you know, Making financial resolutions, there's still quite a few. So one in three means two and three still are not, right? But I, I think it, things are definitely going in the right direction. And the reality is, um, you were talking when, when you started this, that people are getting their credit card statements. So much happened over the last three years, right? In terms of financial information that people needed to be aware of. As you said, people were losing their jobs. People, you know, had a scenario where they might have had a scenario where they were thinking, you know, how am I going to pay for this? Maybe, Maybe because of my job loss or didn't have an emergency fund. All of these things are kind of coming. And then last year we had Like last year, this year, we've had the interest rates go up, inflation go up. So money is on people's minds. And then they saw their investments go down over the last year as well. So I think money is is probably more top of mind than it's been in a while, um, just because we've had so many changes to deal with.
0: So if uh, someone listening is uh, two of those three Canadians that are not uh, setting financial goals, maybe not as confident about their personal finance situation What can they do right now to just build some of that confidence to understand their money better?
1: Well, I think the first thing you were talking about, again, the credit card statements, open the statements, don't just make the minimum payments, put a plan together to pay off debt sooner rather than later. And, you know, I find that one of the reasons that people don't take action is because They're not confident on what they can do. Like, what what are the tools available? How? The how is the big issue, right? So potentially look at apps, financial apps, banks that make it easy for you to track where your money is going, help you to build a budget. PC Financial actually has a PC Financial app where you can set up a budget and it it will help for you to see your financial trends it will help you to see if you're sticking to your budget so if you're going down the wrong path like some some of us might have done over the holidays you can start to course correct and then the other thing i like is there's a lot of people spending money on things like subscriptions on banking fees and that's money that could be going towards their uh, emergency fund or paying off debt that you know if you switch if you consider switching to a different uh, banking solutions. So alternative banks that don't charge fees, you can, that's money that's in your pocket that you didn't have to work for. You didn't have to work harder for. So I think, I think making, becoming more confident means building those habits. So creating a budget, um, figuring out how you're going to pay down your debt, using, finding as many spending leaks as you can to tackle debt. Also, also becoming smarter is, looking at resources. Where can I get information about finances and who can I trust? You know, there's so many sources to get information. Um, look for reliable sources. PC Financial has a learning hub. You can go on there and find out, you know, how can you get more money out of the money that you have coming in? So they, they look at, you know, how if you are somebody who's a rewards collector, how can I get more money for my rewards? What are ways I can tackle inflation? These are really things top of mind for Canadians and they can find a reliable partner in PC Financial in getting that information. And then finally, you know, going back to how am I gonna be more confident? Building a fortress around your finances by getting that emergency fund in place. So it all starts with the budget. See what's coming in, see what's going out. Look at the statements. And then build a budget and then start automating, putting monthly contributions away to that emergency fund. Because an emergency only comes when you don't expect it and you want to have money in that all-important account when you need it the most.
0: I always wonder, you know, we build these emergency funds, how do we recognize when it's an emergency and not just something that we don't have the money for? So we think, okay, let's dip into that emergency fund. Is there a way to just test whether you're using the money for an actual emergency?
1: Uh, I think a way to test because sometimes people will think, oh, um, there's an emergency and then there's things I need to save for that are sort of shorter in the future? So is it for a renovation? That's not an emergency. Um, A a bill, is it for, you know, a car repair that came out out of nowhere? That's kind of an emergency, right? So is it unexpected or is it something that was expected that you haven't budgeted for? You know, so that's, I think, the question for you to ask yourself. Is it unexpected? Is it truly unexpected? Or was it something that you just... Um, you expected, but you didn't potentially budget for. So that car repair could have been something you budgeted for, but maybe you put money aside, but it was bigger than that. Like maybe it was, you know, something broke down on the car that you weren't expecting. So again, a reason to dip in. Another reason to dip in might be you lose your job, right? So it's having that cash. And another reason to build that um, emergency fund and do that budget is people don't necessarily know how much it costs them to live. And if you lose your job and you don't know how much it costs you to live, even if you have money in account and it seems like enough, it may not be if you don't know how much you need every month to pay the bills and cover your expenses.
0: Yeah, that spending journal is one of the best ways to figure out, you know, how much does my life cost? I mean, you you can also do a good audit of your spending by doing that. It's thinking, you know, when, when it's in, it's right in front of you, there's no, you can't ignore that you've spent $500 on going out for dinner in that last month. It's right there in black and white. And so just and, writing and that's
1: things it. down. That's exactly it. But the, the challenge is, is it's not in front of you if you're not going to look at it all the time. And there's not an easy strategy, easy solution for you to actually get started and keep on track. So having, you know, tools like the, you know, the, the PC financial app, mobile banking, where you can easily kind of reconcile where did I, where, what did I plan to spend and what did I actually spend and am I on track? and even for that all important emergency account. So, you know, choosing the kind of bank you deal with really matters, especially in these times where every dollar counts.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much Jackie for joining us today on the program getting giving us your tips on how we can set ourselves up for financial success in 2023, how we can get more financially confident, and how we can tackle those credit card bills. Number one, like you said, you have to open it up and deal with it. The damage has been done. Now it's time to repair it. And the only way we can do that is actually taking a look at that balance. I really thank you for your time, Jackie.
1: Not a problem. Such a pleasure.
0: That's Jackie Porter. She's a certified financial planner and a financial spokesperson for PC Financial. And she also has her own company, Team Jackie Porter. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about inheritance planning, how we need to pay a little bit more attention to money that may be coming our way. I know it's kind of a doom and gloom subject, but it's really important to have those conversations early so that you don't waste any of that money that you may get down the road. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.
1: From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina
0: Ahmed-Hawk. The best things in life are free. So we're almost at the end of our show and I wanted to promote a guest that we're going to have on next week because one thing we are all grappling with right now is higher food costs. We have a guest out of Vancouver who spends $6,000 a year on groceries. Now, when you look at that number together, that seems like a lot, but the average Canadian family actually spends $16,000 a year on groceries. So I want to talk to her about how she keeps her grocery costs down. She's a family of four. She's got two teenagers and herself and her husband. They live in British Columbia and they're able to really keep those grocery costs down with some really quick tips. Um, knowing when to shop, knowing how to shop the sales and definitely not wasting any of the food. I'm really excited to bring her on because we know that grocery costs are getting higher and we know that some items have become simply out of reach for many of us. I know that my habits have changed. I'm really not buying as much red meat as I used to, which is probably good for our health as well, but also because of my pocketbook, I'm just avoiding red meat, focusing more on poultry, focusing a lot on beans and lentils, and really discovering new recipes that I think in, in the end are going to be better for my family nutritionally. Uh, but it took the, you know, it took the, the, the price shock to get me there. All, you know, last 10, 15 years, I've talked about personal finance. I knew that eating a plant-based diet was cheaper. I knew that from the beginning, but it really took meat getting so expensive for me to consider it in a real way, not just once in a while, but in a real way. So I'm really excited. We'll have her on next week to talk about ways you can save at the grocery store today, what she does to save money for her family. And she says that she doesn't cut back on anything. When she wants to eat something, she goes out and gets it, but she does it in a strategic way. So she doesn't waste money. And she's also got a great system of not wasting any food, making sure that, you know, nothing gets stuck at the back of the fridge, which all of us are guilty for. And when they do their grocery shopping, they're very targeted in what they're buying. They don't just show up at the grocery store. So some tips on meal planning, grocery shopping, and how you can really save on that grocery bill. Because all of the other things you can cut out, you can cut out restaurant visits, you can maybe go on a, a, a cheaper holiday, or maybe you could try, you know, uh, watching more movies at home rather than going to the the the, the cinema all those things are possible and easy to to cut back on, but I can't tell somebody don't go to the grocery store to buy food for your family. I mean, that's just a necessity in all of our lives. And this year the food report says that we're going to spend $16,000 on groceries. So we have this uh, lady coming on next week to talk about how she has cut that number by $10,000, 10 K. She's able to save for her family to do other things, uh, whether it go go on vacation or buy things for her family, whatever it is, she can spend the money on other items. So I'm really excited about that. She'll be on next week. So please tune in at this time. Uh, she'll be on to give us her tips on how she's saving on her groceries. I wanted to change gears a little bit to a, a more serious topic and that is inheritance. It can be really difficult to talk about inheritance because if you think about it, it is really money that you got because you lost a loved one. They left money for you, their financial assets to you in their will. And it can be a really sad time, but it also can be a time where you may have come into a lot of money very quickly, and it can be overwhelming. Over the next few years, the Canadian wealth landscape is expected to shift tremendously. And there's an estimated $1 trillion in intergenerational wealth that's going to change hands from the baby boomer generation, so those born before the 1960s, to those who are younger than them. So the Gen Xers, the millennials, and beyond. And this can be a lot of money that's deposited into your bank account in a very short amount of time. And it's important to know how to deal with it. If you do uh, get an inheritance now or in the next few years, it's really important to take that money and do something good with it Uh, because this is something that you can really change your life. You can pay down bills. You can buy that house. That you've always wanted to, because maybe the home that you live in with your current family is a little bit too too small, um, and it's really you can start to make some long term plans because the person who left it to you, I would think, would want you to do good with it. So the first thing you have to do is really just set out your life goals. So look at what your life is going to look like in the next five years, the next ten years, the next fifteen years, and how can this money that you have received do good how can it be invested in a way that it will be available to you at those at those checkpoints at 5 10 15 years so if the money you don't you don't need it for 15 years you can actually put it into uh, a lot of different investments that may be more volatile, but over 15 years are going to pay you a well. Um, you should also try to enjoy that money a little bit because the person who left it to you would want you to um, do something with it that makes you feel good about it, not just all about paying down debt and, and getting you know getting your emergency fund, but really try to enjoy the fact that this person, this person who loved you so much, left you this wealth, I left you this inheritance in order to improve your life, Um, put it towards uh, long term goals. So it could be your RRSP. So if you've got room in your RRSP, one way to really guarantee that you're going to have your future guaranteed, your financial wellness in the future guaranteed is by maximizing your RRSP contributions. Uh, For many of us, we don't max out our RRSP contributions every year. And we may have quite a bit of room left in the years past that we could take advantage of. Now, that's something that you should talk to an accountant or a tax professional uh, about. Uh, They are going to guide you best on how to make those contributions. You can contribute the money today and you could invest it. you don't have to actually apply the contribution in, in, unless it's a year where you really are going to take full advantage of the income tax bracket that you are in. So those are conversations that you definitely need to have with the professional. So that's another thing. If you are, uh, getting an inheritance, if you've received that money, uh, talk to a financial advisor, talk to an accountant, talk to uh, a tax expert, if not an accountant, uh, just to get all the best advice, because it may be a lot of money, but you can do a lot of different things with it. And you don't want to make any mistakes. You don't want to over contribute to your RSP and actually have a penalty. And so more money is coming out of your pocket uh, than you needed to um, and needed to spend. Um, Of course, deal with high interest debt, because this is the kind of debt that really can uh, get you into trouble in the long term. So if you're carrying long, uh, high interest debt, get that paid off. But once that is paid off, make sure that you keep it that way. Make sure that you now build the habit of when you charge something to your credit card, that you uh, that you make sure that it's you have the money in the bank to pay it off by the end of the month. And if you know that you have, this is for individuals who already have received that inheritance, but if you know you have an inter- inheritance uh, coming, um, don't bank on it. Don't bank on that money being there because not everything is always what it seems. And so you should not make plans with that money until that money is actually in your pocket, in your bank account. So those are some things to think about when it comes to inheritance because there is this trillion dollars that's going to be transferred. The baby boomer generation is the wealthiest generation in history, and that money is going to be transferred to their children, to their grandchildren, and that is only going to create again a wealthy wealthiest generation in history. And so it's really important that if you are getting this money, that you, you look at it from the point of view that you want to improve your financial wellness, that you want to make your life easier when it comes to your money. And like all the things that we have been talking about, make yourself more financially confident. uh, Make sure you're putting money away for that rainy day. Use this as an opportunity uh, to get yourself on track financially and stay on track so that you don't get into a situation where you're in a lot of debt. And definitely don't waste that money because this is hard earned money that somebody accumulated throughout their lifetime. Don't waste it. Make sure you treat it with that kind of respect. That is my final word to you for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.